guys, it's Lori. This episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Check them out at csbible.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 165, The Family Garden. Yes, hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast where it is our mission to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I am not joined by licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg, but I do briefly have uh, in studio the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi guys. Man, guys, I am so excited to jump into the conversation today, carrying on our garden series, throwback to intro to this series, number one and two, if you want to learn more. Oh man, but guys, as we're diving in, I just wanted to let you know that you can partner with us. You can make this episode happen. It's hundreds of hours are put into this thing through the prep, through Steve, through behind the scenes graphics, through someone who's helping me upload. And if you guys think that it is, uh, if it's worth something to you at 15 bucks or more a month that you partner with us, if you go to lorikrieg.com slash partner and you click on the impossible ministries side, that is going to help to make this podcast happen. Um, but for 15 bucks or more a month for your support, you're going to get a monthly Q and a with Matt and I, uh, we do a live zoom conversation. And if you can't make that live time, we will send it to you later, but we are talking about topics that you want to talk about. A lot of them are very, um, I don't want to say hot button. I'm so sick of the phrase hot button, but they're very relevant topics to what's going on right now. You guys just asking us to kind of speak into them with the grace and truth that hopefully you hear on this podcast often. We'll also give you coupons to different things, access to webinars, and you are also uh, going to be a part of our prayer team list. We have our main uh, page mailing list that goes out through our website, but if you join and support this, you're going to get a little just normal email from my Gmail account to you, just asking for prayer uh, for different things in the ministry. All right, guys, now it is time to shift into this garden series, which the purpose of the series is to understand that life is more than a timeline. It's more like a gorgeous garden we get to cultivate with each other and gardener God. The garden we are looking at today is the family garden. Specifically, we're talking about love-centered parenting. But if you're single, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) We want to invite you to listen as well because single friends, you're helping us make our kids, whether it's as a youth leader or disciple maker mentor or as a friend of mine who comes into our house and is helping to disciple our kids, we need you. And parents really need helpers, so please help us. Uh, But who is here today to talk about this parenting, this family garden, this very important topic? It's New York Times bestselling author, Crystal Payne. Crystal, welcome. I am so excited to be here. So glad to have you guys. If you don't know Crystal, man, she is that New York Times bestselling author known widely as the money-saving mom. She is a wife, biological mom of four children, and a foster mom. Her desire is to help women around the globe live with more joy, purpose, and intention in their everyday lives. And she is the author of the new book I've got here, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Vimeo, Love-Centered Parenting, the No-Fail Guide to Launching Your Kids. That is a big promise, Uh, but this is the book that we're going to be exploring today. 
Oh man. Okay. I want to ask all the questions. And I realized as I was writing the questions for you, I'm like, these are basically the same question over and over, but we'll see. I think it reveals some of my own issues, but you do such a great talk job talking about this. But before we do, the purpose of this podcast is like we said at the start of the show to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so we've asked every guest this set of questions from the beginning. And it's this, Crystal, if the gospel is, I'm more loved than I imagine, but more sinful than I believe, when it, when was that gospel first good news for you, and how is it still today? You know, so I was raised in a Christian home, and I always knew about Jesus, and honestly, for me, the gospel when I was growing up was about salvation from hell. It was like, I didn't want to go to hell. I was scared of hell, so I was like, I need to pray this prayer so that I cannot go to hell. But as I got older, it has become more and more and more beautiful to me. And it wasn't just something that I was saved from in the future, but it's something that really saves me in the present. And I realized Mm. that the gospel is for every single day because it is the power of God in me to walk out the sanctification journey and that I cannot do on my own. And it's not about me trying more, being more, doing more. It is about me resting in the goodness of the gospel that says it is finished. Those three words, when he died on the cross, he said it is finished. It's so that I can rest in him, that I can lay my burden down at the cross and that I can live out of that freedom and rest. I love that. So I can hear how, you know, we're talking about today, snow day in your house. Like what's kind of how that applies to your life even today? Yes, absolutely. And it's the thing of like every day, you never know what a day is going to look like. And right now we just recently um, said goodbye to a sweet little boy that we were fostering. And he's like our son. We brought him home from the NICU and having to walk out the gospel in that of like seeing redemption in his story. And it didn't end how we thought, but it's ended so much more beautifully than we could have ever imagined. And then right now we're waiting any moment we could get a call for another little baby. And so just having to rest in you know what does god have for me today and all of my life everything activities everything shut down because we are literally iced in we cannot get out today and so just saying okay god what does that look like for me today what is the next right thing that you've called me to do that's so good all right i'm already hearing you know application for those of us who are parents or in a position of discipling of kids who are unpredictable Um, But let's just kind of state maybe a fact uh, that if we're parents or disciple makers, those who are following behind us or our children, they are our Achilles heel. Like if they're suffering, I, I just, you just, you, you feel that father to Jesus, you know, says like, ah, I don't want this pain. So have you found that to be true for you? Like when your kids are going through it, is that like your most Achilles heel? You know, I feel like that I've never felt the depths of love and also the depths of wanting to protect someone as I have in being a parent. And it makes me think of my Heavenly Father and how much He loves me. And also what it was like for Him, just going back to when we talked about saying goodbye to the the sweet little boy that we fostered for eight months. And 
I kept thinking of, you know, my heavenly father, let his only begotten son come to earth to die. And it gave me this whole new level of appreciation for that because of how the anguish in my heart to say goodbye to this sweet little boy. I just thought, my heavenly father did that for me because he loves me. Ooh, girl. Okay. So you wrote a parenting book and you say in this, the beginning of this book, you're like, I never was going to write a parenting book. All right. Can you help us? How did you get from never ever to writing it? You know, I feel like oftentimes God calls us to those things that we really don't want to do. <laughs> you know, oh, it's yeah. like the thing that I I remember saying, I will never stand on the stage. I will never do live media. And God's like, oh, oh nope, that's, that's going to be part of your story. And um, with this parenting book, I never, I always said for years, if people would ask me about parenting stuff. I'd be like, you know, ask me in 25 years from now, my kids are all grown and gone. And maybe I might have some words of advice. But really, there's parenting in this title of this book, but it's about so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And it's not a book that's going to tell you do A, B, C, and D, and then you're going to get these perfect kids. And in fact, you've said about the subtitle, the no fail guide to launching your kids. And we really wrestled with that. But the truth of it is, is that it's all about what it looks like to love your kids out of the way, the way that you've been loved by your heavenly father. And so if you walk with your kids and you love them with that love, you can't fail because it's not about the results. Mm. It's about your relationship with them. It's about walking with them. And it's not about, you know, how it looks It's about how you've walked with them. And so this book is really my story of hitting rock bottom as a mom of kind of feeling like things were going along pretty well. And then all of a sudden one day it all came crashing down and it was in this meeting with the principal where we found out that one of my kids was really struggling and had done something, um, actually multiple things over the course of a number of months and had broken the school's code of conduct and was being asked to leave the school. And um, just kind of hitting that place of, God, I don't know how to walk this. And then my child spiraled out and we ended up you know, in the ER because they were suicidal and we couldn't find any counselor who would take them because the situation was just so significant. And um, it's a really scary place to be, but God met me there. And it was there when I had to just say, you know what? I, I can't care about my reputation because it's already shot at this point. And you know what? I'm just going to work on my relationship with my child and with my kids. And what does it look like for me to parent from a place of love and caring about relationship instead of worrying about what other people think and my reputation? Mm. Okay. But how do you do that? You know, I, I look in my own, it's one thing to say, not care about your reputation. And it's another thing to not care about your reputation. So what was that, the the start maybe of that journey for you? So for me, it really came back to unearthing these core lies that I believed about myself and it didn't happen overnight. It was We sat in that emergency room and kind of went through that whole process and then found a therapist and um, we were sitting on the therapist couch um, meeting with her for the very first time before my child came to meet with her. And I said to her, I said, I, I want to do whatever it takes. Like we are at rock bottom right here. And I, 
I'm clueless as to what to do and we need help. And if there's anything that you can come up with that I can change or do as a mom, would you please let me know? Because, you know, something's got to change. And a few weeks later, after my child had had multiple therapy sessions and um, the therapist had dismissed my child, she called me into the room and she said, you know, when you said if there's anything you could do, she said, what would it look like for you to, instead of trying so hard to fix your child, because she said, I feel like that's what you're trying to do and it's out of a place of love, but you're trying to fix and what would it look like for you to just walk with your child? And I sat there and I started really examining, you know, where did this come from? And over the next few weeks, as I paid attention to how I was responding to my kids, pretty much in every single situation, it was to kind of fix the problem. It was to provide a solution. I would come in and I wanted to rescue them or stop them from doing something. And, you know, I was constantly just correcting, but I was spending so little time connecting. And so I just really started examining, where's this coming from? Like, why am I feeling like I have to come in and be my child's savior and Holy Spirit and rescuer? And as I just kept asking why, I think that's one of the most important questions that we can ask in any situation, kept asking why, kept asking why. And I realized it was because of my own deep-seated insecurities. Mm -hmm. And it was that I felt like I needed to do more, try harder, be better, kind of attain some level of perfection in my parenting in order to look good, not only to others, but also to God. And I was really chasing after, I wanted that approval from God. I wanted to be a good Christian because I felt like, isn't that what what I'm supposed to be? Like, I, I want to do the right thing. And so I felt like it was my job to then help my child do the right thing because that was me being a good parent. And so I had to get to the root of that. And it was really that, I was believing these lies about myself that it was my works and my actions that were going to really help me to attain that approval that I wanted so badly from from God and from others. And so once I recognized that, that I was believing these lies about myself, that I wasn't enough, that I was a disappointment to God and those closest to me, that I needed to do more, try more, be better, and I started replacing those lies with truth. And I would literally call out anytime I would hear it in my head. This was like a two-year process. I would hear it in my head and I would say, that's a lie. And what is the truth? And so, you know, if I was believing that lie of I'm not enough to tell myself the truth immediately, say that is a lie. And the truth is in Christ, I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am chosen. I am loved. In him, I am enough. Not in my own strength, but in him, I am enough. And he wants me to rest in that it is finished work of the gospel and to live out of that. And so I started just replacing those lies with truth, replacing the lies with truth, and then living out of that truth. And one of the most important questions that I asked myself in that process was, how would loved me live? How would loved me act? And and this question came from the Trim Healthy Mama podcast of all places. They had a guest on and she was talking about this. And I started really camping in that. What would it look like for me to truly believe to the depths of my soul that I am loved by my heavenly father? And if I truly believe that, how would it change 
my actions. And so this changed everything for me. And like I said, didn't happen overnight. It was constantly replacing those lies with truth and then saying, what would it look like for me to live as loved? And then starting to live like that. And the more that I replaced the lies with truth and walked into that truth and lived out of that truth, the more that I was rewiring my brain. I really feel like that's when scripture talks about renewing our mind. It's really cramming ourselves full of that truth so that we don't have space for those lies to take root and be what we lead with and the labels that we wear. And instead we can walk in freedom. Totally makes sense. And you know, Jesus talks about in the same measure that you judge others, you will be judged. But I just wonder you know, if the inverse is true and with the same measure we judge ourselves, we judge others. And so you're talking about replacing lies with truth. So you're like, it, basically it's Galatians. It's, I can't earn my righteousness. And so you're like, okay, once I am this, then I am loved. If that's a sentence in our own head, then we look at these kids who are straight up sinners and it's like, we say the same things without even thinking it. Once you do this, then you are loved. We may say we love you over and over, but we don't even love our, we don't believe we are beloved as we are. So how the heck can we pa- pass it on to these little versions of us? Uh, so I can see how two years of rewiring your own brain and that you're reprocessing with God, I'm guessing you started to see that show up in how you looked, your eyes softened toward your kids. It really changed every single relationship, but especially in my home, because Mm. then I was parenting from this place of love. And there's an interesting thing that happens when you believe that you are fully loved. It's like you put down your shield, you put down your defense. I found this, I'm on the internet and there's a lot of people that pay attention to the things that I post and watch my stories and watch my videos. And there's always those people who don't like what you do and they're going to be disappointed in you and say things. And I realized, you know, if I believe that I'm fully and wholeheartedly loved, I don't have to defend myself. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing when I'm parenting my kids, if they do something, if they're acting out, I don't have to then immediately jump to, well, I got to fix this because Mm -hmm. this is not right. Instead, I can say, Jesus, help me. What does it look like to love my child right now in this moment? Help your love to flow through me Mm. to them. And so then instead of trying to micromanage and overprotect and bubble wrap, I can just walk with and lean in and love. And there's just this beautiful rest and freedom as a mom, because it's not about my kids' choices, it's about being able to walk with them. And absolutely, there are consequences and all of that. This is not negating that, but it's changing my response and what I'm responding out of. And I say in my book, you can't give what you don't have. And so if you don't believe that you are wholeheartedly loved by God, how are you going to be able to love your kids? Because mm-hmm. you don't have that reservoir of love to give give out to them. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you're just going to constantly be lashing out and snapping yeah. at them because you don't have that inside of you to pour out to them. And so it really just changes all of your responses. And I feel like it kind of de-escalates everything because then you have this peace and this freedom to parent from instead of this constant stress and burden and unrest. Hey guys, it's Lori and Matt and Steve. Hey guys, we have recently discovered a new to us translation of the Bible called the Christian Standard Bible. And you know what? 
We love it. <laughs> Currently, we really like the Holy Land Illustrated Edition. Yeah, I love that one because I've never been to Israel or Turkey or anything. And so to like see those places while I'm reading. Yeah, it just it makes you feel like uh, like you're experiencing it without having to drop a few thousand dollars to do so. Uh, yeah. So, guys, if you want to check out this Holy Land Illustrated Bible, visit CSB Holy Land Illustrated Bible dot com. And we'll put that link in the show notes. Okay, let's talk, and this is in the same vein, but practically speaking, there are some days, I'm like, maybe it's even most days, uh, where I will be going to bed and I'm like, dang it. Oh, I missed this daughter's heart at that moment, that daughter's heart at that moment. And oh, I, and I'm married to a therapist. And we hear, we have people in our lives, I do coaching, um, I hear horror stories of, you know, straight up abuse that's just tragic to just minor woundings parents didn't mean to do, and it sets a kid on a trajectory. Now, I'm not saying this is cause they had to go on this trajectory, but it was a wound that happened. So sometimes I hate all the therapy I know and all the books I've read, and like I can even avoid, I think yours is one of the first and only parenting books I've ever read, because I'm like, I'm good. I don't (laughs) know more, actually. So you said you used to go through this sort of, this is how I failed. Um, my kids and you don't anymore. How'd you do that? So yes, it definitely started with the recognizing the lies and replacing the lies with truth and living out of that. And I, I'll be honest, it's not like I'm perfect at this. And it's not like there aren't nights when I lay awake and I start to, you know, let that mm-hmm. real go in my head and I have to stop it in its tracks because there's nothing good that is going to come from me just replaying and replaying and, right. you know, just kind of shaming myself over that. Now, I think that we can use that to motivate us in positive ways. So sometimes I will realize, you know what? I responded really poorly to my child in that situation tomorrow morning, if they're already asleep, I need to make sure first thing that I go to them and I ask forgiveness. And I think that's one important element of parenting that we need to be making a very big part of our life is leading with humility. And I talk about this. I have a whole chapter in the book about this because I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our kids is to show them that we're not perfect and that we need Jesus. And Jesus came because we are going to make mistakes and we're going to mess up. And so modern that before our kids of going to them and saying, you know what, yesterday when I did that, I am so sorry. And I was not parenting you well. And that was not honoring God. And I responded in a way that makes me really sad. And will you please forgive me? And this is something that I'm working on and I'm asking the Lord to help me with this. And I'd love for your help and you can pray for me too in this. And so we're modeling that before our kids. So then it gives them also this permission that they're going to make mistakes, but they get to look to Jesus and they can ask forgiveness as well. And so I think that's something beautiful that we can give for our kids and, you know, for parents to recognize that you're not going to do it perfectly. And my kids are, they've already had to go to therapy for stuff that I've done. And I'm sure they're going to have to in the future. And we all need it. Why do we have <laughs> the gospel? And that is why we have Jesus. And so pointing our kids to Jesus in those moments when we mess up. But I also will say that those moments are a lot fewer and there's a whole lot less guilt that I'm carrying around because 
I know the truth and I'm living out of that truth. And so instead of just letting that guilt just fester, I can have the freedom of reminding myself of the truth. And I think the other thing is really, you know, when we get to the root of things, realizing what is our job as a parent. And I think a lot of the guilt that we have as parent comes from a misunderstanding of what our job and calling is as a parent and what we're supposed to do and what we actually are capable of doing. When I was writing this book, I actually asked on Instagram stories, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram stories. And I asked on there, I said, would you fill in this blank for me? My job as a parent is to blank. And I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses. And it was fascinating because I would say 98 to 99% of the responses are things that we cannot do as a parent. Like we don't have control over it as a parent. For instance, a lot of the responses are, you know, were things like, I want to raise good Christian kids who have good morals, um, who love Jesus and go to heaven someday. And I'm like, that's a great ideal, but guess what? You can't save your kids. And if you spend all your time, your 18 years of raising them, just feeling like it is your job to save your kids, you are going to carry around so much stress. And every time your child acts out, you're going to go back to that's your job performance on the line and you are failing as a parent. And, you know, then other things like, you know, it's my job as a parent to raise upstanding kids of, you know, great character who go out in the world and are successful. Again, great ideal, but you can't ultimately control your kids' choices and decisions. We can help shape them. We can help nurture them. We can model for them. We can set a great example. We can teach them, but we cannot change their hearts. That is only God. And so I think for us to have that freedom, to lay that down, that burden that we're carrying around of what we think we're supposed to be and supposed to do as a parent. And I feel like it gives us so much more freedom than as we parent, because we're not, you know, continually going to when our child makes a mistake, it's on us that we are feeling like they made a mistake. So therefore we have failed. Maybe there's something that we can learn from it. Maybe there's something that we can do better. Maybe that, you know, we do need to change some things, but if we instantly, they make a mistake, we've failed. We're carrying around a burden that God hasn't called us to bear. And the other thing is, I feel like it gives us so much more freedom and compassion and empathy for other parents, because then we're not putting it on other parents either. So we're a whole lot less critical of them. I love it. Okay. I, I know we have parents who are listening right now. So these you know, are probably our primary demographic is 20 to 40, but I know we've got 50, 60, 70s and parents are listening in and they're like, okay, how, how would you process if your kid, you grew, you trained them up in the ways you go the best you knew, and now they're giving you the finger and they're not following Jesus and they're telling you, you failed. Like, how would you process that crystal? Like if your kids did that, cause I'm like, I don't know, I'm trying my best and that may happen. How would you in real life, like, did you fail? Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Cause when I was writing this book, that was a big part of, you know, our processing before I even said yes to this. Cause I thought, 
I don't want to put this burden on my kids of feeling like right. oh, my mom wrote a parenting book, so I have to live up to the standard, you know, or right. them even feeling like, well, I'm just gonna, you know, like rebel, <laughs> you know, for sure, because she, you know, wrote a parenting book. Um, and so that was one thing that I really thought of. And actually, right after I um, signed this book deal, I found out that I was pregnant again with my fourth child after 11 years. And someone wrote mm-hmm. to me, and they said, you know, don't you kind of feel like what if this child is the wild card and um you know because my older three they've they've been you know they're only right now 16 13 and 11 but you know it's not like any of them have you know are seemingly on this path to rebellion or something although that can always change but um (laughs) you know and so what if this child is the wild card and you know i just realized that's the point of this book the point of this book is that it doesn't matter how your child turns out. It matters how you walk with them and love them. And so what does it look like to to love someone who is turning their back on us, who is in, in essence spitting in our face? You know, what did Jesus do? What did he model for us? The the disciples who he walked with and poured into and loved every single day for a long, long time, you know, and then Peter, first chance he gets, he goes and he denies Jesus. But I love when it talks about how Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and it was this look of love to him right after he had denied him and denounced him and basically said, I never knew him. And so I think, you know, if Jesus can walk in that way and love his disciples in the way that he did, even when they completely cut themselves off from him. Um, I feel like that we can do that as parents as well. And he's Jesus, you know? (laughs) So that gives me a lot of hope and encouragement that if that happened to him and I'm going to be so far from him, you know, in, cause I am human um, to just realize that I can I can trust him with the future and all that matters is today. And I don't want to live in fear of what might be or what could be, but I just want to love well today. What I love about what you brought up, many things, but one is that Jesus didn't lose it. I think it's so easy as parents. I'm not saying, I'm not encouraging stuffing your emotions. I'm encouraging, okay, if your kid is lose, is going off the deep end at whatever level, a, a two-year-old toddler or <laughs> as a 22-year-old young adult, you know, just saying goodbye, parents, you're the worst. How Jesus wasn't like, <gasps> because his reputation was not on the line. His sense of identity was not connected. He had this truly selfless longing love for his kids, for us, but it was not selfish in the sense that his reputation didn't change dependent on what his kids, his disciples were doing. Okay. Is, was there anything else or was it mostly, which is awesome, the replacing lies with truth to, to make your reputation not tied to your kids so that you didn't fly off the handle? Is there anything else to that? You know, in the book, I talk about the four choices that I believe that every parent should make and lean in and love is the first one. And then listen well, and then lead with humility and let go. And so those are really my my guiding principles for how I want to parent my kids. And so constantly thinking of with my kids, 
what does it look like to lean in and love? And just recently, it's funny because with this book launch, you know, I feel like anytime you're going to put something out there, you're going to get tested in it. Sure. <laughs> and just last sure. week, I was like, I just wish I would write on chocolate because that would be <laughs> much easier because there were multiple things that happened last week. And I was thinking if these parents knew that I have a parenting book coming out, they would just think that's the <laughs> Um, you know, but just remembering that we just, we just had to laugh about it. And I just had to think, you know, okay, what does it look like to lean in and love my kids in this situation when they had made some mistakes? And when there were some parents that were getting involved in, in this situation with one of my kids just last week, you know, so I'm yes. living this out now. It's not like you figure it out and then you're sure. good. <laughs> um, and so but what does it look like to lean in and love my child and just constantly reminding me of their heart and mm-hmm. you know so last week it was just sitting with them and talking with them and just having these really beautiful conversations and knowing that maybe it's going to look you know to some other parent the way that I'm parenting they're not going to agree with it but I don't have to stand before God for the way that they parent or mm-hmm. what they think of me but I do have to stand before God for the way that I parent my child and so what does it look like to lean in and love and walk with them well through a difficult situation mm. I love that and just again it's I just was look as you were talking I was just looking at you as the Jesus role and how you know you're saying I have this parenting book coming out and my kids are still losing it Jesus is like, so I have the Bible out and my kids are cray. (laughs) You know, we fail all the time. But I just want to that just even as you were talking about this scene, I just was like, wow, the gushing grace I have for me as a mom to you as a mom is astronomical because I'm like, you're trying your best to be a little Christ, to be a Christian. You're leading these kids and yet they make mistakes. They and they outright sin. You know, it's not just a matter of they're just mistake makers. They're sinners. <laughs> and so at least mine are. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so well, I, I that, go just ahead. understanding that has given me so much more compassion because I think as parents, so it's like, why do we expect our child who is a sinner to be? Yeah. Better? Yeah. Why? Well, And how often when we really analyze why we're frustrated with our child, it's about our own selfishness a lot of the time, because it's like, would you just be quiet? And it's like, why do we want them to be quiet? Because we want to have a quiet house. Or would you just stop making messes? Why? Because we want to have a clean house, you know, and it boils down to a lot of times it's our selfishness or it's our pride. If we're frustrated with them, it's because we care about our reputation. And so really it's our sin being exposed through the little sinners in our home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but giving them so much more grace when we recognize that what is at stake here and why are we expecting something from them that, you know, especially I'm like, if your child is not a Christian, if they don't know God, why would you expect them to act like one, you know? And so let's give them some grace and let's set that example for them of what it looks like to follow the Lord and stop yelling at our kids for yelling. I don't know if you've ever done that. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, I have, definitely. I love that so much because um, 
here I am picturing, okay, you walk into a room knowing you're loved. That's the question we've been, similar one that you've said. Like, how would you walk into a room differently if you knew you were loved by God deeply? So same sort of thing. If you knew you were loved and then you look at your kids and you're like, you, I am a discipler of you, but my reputation is not dependent on you. Then you're actually probably going to be able to do way better discipling if you are at a place of peace and love and because it's not about you because there's sin involved there so then how are you going to be a good parent good sorry these are relative words but how are you going to parent well if it's about you it's really only when we understand that these are god's kids i'm loved i'm just a steward of them to pass them on so this isn't hands off this is like the best hands on is is because you're holding your kids and you're holding them up to jesus it's such a beautiful place. And I feel like there's so much freedom and rest there because then mm. it doesn't matter, doesn't you know, matter. how they respond. I know sometimes I'll go and sit with my child and I'll lean in and love them. And, you know, nothing. They don't changed. care. You yeah. Know? They don't care. Like, you exist. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and it's like, but I walked with them well and we'll try again tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful that his mercies are new every day and that his, he's so faithful and he's so good. And you know, just, but to just constantly think of what example are we setting before our kids and that we get to model Jesus to mm. our kids. And I feel like that's so much more important than any sermon that we can preach to them or any sermon that they sit and listen to at church. It's the life that we live before them. Yep. So good. All right, last question, Crystal. If a parent is listening and already feels like they they failed, they can barely even hear two sentences you said, uh, what is a blessing you would give them or an encouragement? I would just encourage you that you are not alone. I think that is the thing with putting this story out there. I It wasn't the time and place when we were walking through this for me to share, but Four years later, I get to share this story and I'm hearing already from so many parents who are reading this and they're saying, I'm just crying tears because I thought I was the only one. And I know it's hard sometimes because we want to protect our kids. And so it's hard to know how do we share what's going on. And when we were walking through this, we shared with a very small circle of people, just some of the basic details because we wanted to protect our child through this. But I want you to know that you are not alone. There are others who are walking through things right like this, right alongside you. Maybe someone that you know really well is walking alongside this and they're just not able to share. But also you're not alone because Emmanuel, God with us, he is with you in this. And so I just want to encourage you that for me, when I got to that place and I felt like my reputation was gone, everything was just, I just felt like, I had hit rock bottom because it was like, there's nothing left. My child child is completely spinning out of control. There's nothing that I can seem to do. Nothing is working, but God met me in that. And he was still with me. And I remember thinking if everything is taken away and I just have God, he is enough. So I want to tell you as a mom who has come out on the other side and seen God do really great and mighty things. And the story hasn't panned out like I thought, and we're still in the middle of it. And it's not like it's anywhere near perfect. And there's still a lot of struggles, but God has been so faithful. And so he has been, he is, and he will be faithful. So good. 
Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your heart and just how you approach parenting. It's a, it's a piece of peace that is really necessary right now. So thank you. Thank you. Man, guys, parents, disciple makers, mentors, friends of mine, wink, wink help me. Uh, no, but go get this book, Love Centered Parenting, the no fail guide to launching your kids wherever you get your books. And thank you to Crystal Payne. And thank you guys too, for your support of this, uh, podcast by listening, sharing, maybe even partnering with us. Uh, Matt and I have a ton of fun, uh, connecting with you, but guys, for all of us here at the hole in my heart podcast, we will see you next week. <laughs>